Okay, today's daf is Chavav, Baba Kama 26, and uh, we pick up at the very bottom of Chavhe Amud Bet, um, and um, uh, we pick up with Vitei uh, Shein Varegel, the very end of the ver- of the last of the narrowest lines, and our learning should be in the Zuchus of the um, uh, ongoing uh, return of all of the uh, of the hostages that were part of the deal and of all of the hostages and their safety and security and well-being. Okay, so we're in the middle of the whole discussion about um, Dayo for Rebbe Tarfon, and we said that for Rebbe Tarfon, he does not hold of Dayo if it would undermine the Kavachomer, if the Kavachomer wouldn't get you anything more than you started with, um, and in that case, you're allowed to use the Kavachomer to go even beyond your original case, but presumably taking um, um, indication from par- parallel cases how far you can extend it. So Chatzin Nezek were able to upgrade to Nezek Shalim and Rishut HaNizak because the, otherwise we wouldn't learn anything from the Kavachomer, and because Shane and Regal pay full amount in Rishut HaNizak. So now the Gemara continues. Shane Regal Kavachomer. Now that we are done with the whole Dio discussion, we're going to discuss how you might use Kavachomers looking at Shane and Regal on one hand and Karen on the other side. So it says, why not say Shane and Regal are Chayv and Rishos Arabim from a Kavachomer? This is now even according to the Rabbanon. Forget Rabbi Tarfin for the moment. So by Karen, this is according to the Rabbanan in the Rishut Anizak, you pay half damages. So if that's true for the rabbis, Rishut Arabim and in Rishut Arabim, you also pay, you pay half. So Karen is half in Rishut Anizak, half in Rishut Arabim. So Shane Veregel, Rishut Anizak, Mashalim Nezek Shalim. So Shane and Regel, that in the Rishut Anizak, in the damages uh, domain, in the private domain, is full amount, so Shane and Regal is certainly more than um, weightier in Rishut Hanizak than Karen is. You pay full that rather than half. So should you not at least in Rishut Arbim be Chayev? Maybe Chayev half, maybe Chayev all, but anyway, so if you're Chayev by Karen, Karen, you're Chayev in Rishut Hanizak, and your chayv and rishud arbim, your chayv and rishud nizak only half, and your chayv and rishud arbim. So shein and regel that your chayv and rishud nizak full. Shouldn't shouldn't there also be some degree of chiyuv in rishud arbim if you use kavachomer? I'm across. So the pasuk responds. So the answer is no. You can't say that because the pasuk says ubier bisteacher v'lo b'rishud arbim. The pasuk is very clear that the obligation is only when it consumes in another field and not in rishud arbim. In rishud arbim, it is going to be exempt. There's no basis for Chiyuv in Rishad Arabim for Shane and Regal. Top of Kavav Aleph. So the Gemara says, one minute, Midi, Kulei Kamin and Pali Kamin. I'm not saying you should pay full. I'm saying you should pay half. So the Pasuk, you're right. The Pasuk says that Shane and Regal are obligated to pay the full amount. And that's what it tells you, full amount in Rishad and Yizak. It doesn't tell you Rishad Arabim. Let's use a Kavachom there to tell me if Karen pays half in Rishad Arabim, certainly Shane and Regal should pay half in Rishad Arabim. So Amar cross, so the Gemara responds, the Torah says, no. The Torah says, by Karen, you should divide the value. Half payment only occurs by, um, by Karen, and it does not occur by anything else. So therefore, full you don't pay clearly, because the Pasuk says full is only in Rishat Nizak, and half you don't pay because half is being labeled as something that is unique to Karen. You might remember that, of course, Chatzin Ezek but that's a Halach Moshe Sinai. A Kav Homer can't get us that because the 
psokim are clear that at least as far as you know aside, from the Psukim's perspective, the only thing that you're paying half for is going to be Karen. Now, of course, what's worth mentioning here, which also always has to be mentioned by Kavachomer, is that a Kavachomer ignores unique characteristics of each case to explain their differences. Right? Logically, you could say Shane and Regal, because they're much more prevalent and common, that's why you're exempt in Rishas Harbim totally, either because people have to live their lives and be able to take their animals in Rishas Harbim, or because there's Pshir Hanizak, the person who's leaving his stuff out in Rishas Harbim should be aware that there are animals around, so he has, you know, also contributory negligence. Whereas not, whereas Karen, you know, goring is unlikely, so therefore there is no need to exempt Karen in Rishat Harabim, and there's no Piyat Hanizak. So there's a logic, you know, and similarly in, uh, excuse me, there's no need to exempt Karen in Rishat Harabim, but there is a need to exempt Shane and Regel. So there's a particular logic to exempt, whereas when you do Rishat Hanizak, you could say Karen is half because it's un- unlikely, and Shane and Regel, there is a high degree of negligence. So there's a logic why Shane and Regel is full in Rishat Hanizak, high degree of negligence. Putter in Rishat Harabim, either you need a you need a general allowance, public policy type of thing, or contributory negligence. And Karen, which is unusual, is going to be half in all places. Okay, so there's a logic for those differences, but Kavachomers ignores particular characteristics, how they might be tied to particular halachot, and just looks in a very simplistic way. What's the weight? What you know? How heavy is it? And what is the payment? So based on that Kavachomer, we wanted to say pay half for Shane and regular Rishut HaRabim, and we say no, the Pesach says half payment is only by Karen. Okay, Kaspo Shel Kaspo Shel Now, three lines from the top, continuing. Fine, let's go the reverse. Let's say that you'll only pay half damages for Shane and Regel in the Rishut HaNizak. Why? Based on a Kav HaChomer. So now the Kav is going to say that it's going to be less. Okay, Karen, which is weighty, that you pay in Rishud Harabim. In Rishud Harizak, you only pay half. Shane Vregel, Shane Vregel, that is lighter, because in Rishud Harabim, you don't pay for Shane and Regel. So if there, if it's a less weighty case, Shane and Regel, so how much more so in Rishud Harizak? If, if Shane and Regel is less weighty than Karen, because it's exempt in Rishut HaRabim, and Karen, the weightier case, you pay only half in Rishut HaNizak, how much more so should Shane and Regal, the less weighty case, you also only pay half in Rishut HaNizak, again, ignoring the unique characteristics. So, the Gemara says, Eino Mishalem, so, so the answer to this is that the Pasuk says, Yishalem. It says, You shall compensate. So the word compensate, compensation means full compensation. So those are not variable. We know Shane and Regal full in Rishad Arnizak, zero in Rishad Harbim, and, and Karen, we know half in both places if we reject Rebbe Tarphone. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this, um, 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 so now let's, no, let's try to exempt Karen from Rishud Rabin from a Kavachomer. 
is weightier that you pay in Rishud Nizak full. And you're still exempt in Rishud Arbim. Karen, that according to the Rabbanan, is only half damages. So Karen is less weighty in Rishud Hanizak. So if that's true, that's only half. So therefore, Rishud Arbim Petura, then Rishud Arbim, it should be exempt. The same way Shane and Rego, which is weightier in Rishud Nizak, is exempt in Rishud Arbim. Karen, which is less weighty in Rishud Nizak, should be fully exempt in Rishud Arbim as well. So, the Pazak says, Yechetsun. You should divide. And it could have just said, because it already said, divide the money, and it could have said, and also the corpse. So, why does it say, Yechetsun, that other divide? To tell you that half the damages is going to apply in all places. You don't make distinctions. Whether it should be more, should it's always going to be half. Okay, so we keep everything the way we knew it. Karen is half, whether in Rishud Arbim or Rishud Yachid or Rishud Hanizak, and Tashen Varegel is full in Rishud Hanizak and zero in Rishud Harabim. And we don't use Kavachomers, A, because char- the characteristics explain the differences, but if we're going to deal with the more simplistic Kavachomer, weighty, less weighty, etc., we have Psukim that tell me keep those exactly the way you understood them to be. Okay, now the Gemara says like this. Um, okay. Um, now we're moving beyond Shane and Regal. Let's say a person who murders somebody should be chayv in a kofir from a kavachomer. What's the kavachomer? An ox that if it gores a human being and causes injury, it only pays damages. It doesn't pay the other four things. Sar, nezek, repo, shevis, I'm sorry. Tsar, Ripo, Shevis, and Boshes. So pain, um, uh, doctor's bills, uh, time off of work, and the embarrassment. That only is by a human that causes injury to another human, um, not by an ox that causes injury to a human. So an ox is less weighty. And nevertheless, has to pay kofar if the ox kills a human and has done it three times then it does then not then you would not only stone the ox but you would pay kofar would pay a atonement payment for the life other when a person injures another person when the art person is the injurer, so then, and you know, another person is the injury, you pay the additional four payments of Sheves Ripoy, um, Atsar, and Boches. So if that's weightier when a human being causes damage, so how much more so should if a human being murders that he should also pay a atonement payment, a kofar payment? So Amakra, no, the Pasik says, you shot a love. You should pay all that is placed on him when the ox does the gory and kills a person. Alav v'lo'al adam. On the ox, or on the owner of the ox, or whatever, but not on a human who actually takes a life. Now, by the way, the halamina that a person should pay kofar is a little strange, because normally we have principles of like, that you don't pay two payments when you do a something that is a capital crime. Nevertheless, um, um, here, um, the kimlein bedrabamine is when there's an external payment, you don't also pay it, pay it if you've also done a capital crime. The possibility here, though, is is that the actual capital crime itself should come with two punishments. It should come both with 
killing the person. And it should also come with the fact that he should actually have to pay damages or kofar. And that's what's being excluded. Rashi says, by the way, we're talking about a case that you wouldn't execute the person and he wouldn't get gullus, like he would be a case of mazin, intentional, but there wouldn't be hatra'ah, so he wouldn't actually get any other payment, payments. That doesn't totally get you out of the kimli bidrabamine question, because even if it's a type of a sin that would be deserving under other circumstances of a capital crime that normally overrides monetary payments, so that's not only the point here, you know, maybe it's the point is also that we don't. this is not an external payment. Maybe this would be always coming alongside or maybe at least coming with a cap with murder when the person wasn't being executed. Maybe that would be what the Torah would indicate would be the proper, you know, punishment um, or, you know, when when um, a person actually commits murder. So that's the question. Maybe there should always be two aspects of murder, the capital crime plus payment and the um, damages? And the answer is no, that's only for a sure. Is there an idea of a kofar? By the way, in the case of a sure, it most likely is not about damages. It's about being deserving of, at some virtual level, the death penalty because you let your ox who you knew was a gorer go out and you weren't careful and killed yet again. So to some degree, you're deserving of the death penalty. And therefore, it's saying that you can give this kofar to atone for it. Okay, but at least when we thought to apply it to a case of a human who committed murder or manslaughter, whatever, it would have been logically not an atonement payment as much as damages alongside the capital crime. But the Gemara rejects that. Okay, now the Gemara continues. Um, ah, now that an ox is weightier, that it pays its kofar and a human doesn't, let's use a kavachomer to say that an ox scores a man, it pays the additional four payments. Uh, a human being who kills a human does not pay kofar, still has to pay these four additional payments of damages when it's not a death. Okay, Sheves reports are in Boshes. Sure, Shechai Bechofer, an ox that gores a human and kills it that pays Kofer, so it's weightier in that it pays Kofer. How much more so should it have to pay these four additional damages, when it, uh, you know, payments when it causes damage to another human being? Because an ox is now weightier. So the Gemara says, Amar Kra, Ish Bamito. A man, you know, because when a man puts a wound on another human being, and from that pasuk we learn the additional payments. So it says a man by, by his neighbor. So it says kitein mumba amito, low shore amito, not an ox with his fellow, or not an ox with a human. We should say not exactly his fellow. But the bottom line is that the psukim from which we learn ayin tachasayin, shein tachasayin, or all the other psukim that we learn, you know, the additional payments, um, those are all about humans damaging humans, and therefore we understanding to exclude an ox, even if a kavachomer would want you to include it. Okay, so that's the end now of the kavachomers, of the dio of Rebbe Tarfon, and using kavachomers to try to level the differences that we have between the nizikin. Now we're going to ask an interesting question that seems a little off topic, but we'll see it's directly relevant to a teaching of Rebbe Tarfon. Ibairu, they ask the following question. Regal shedar salgabitinok nizak, kofer. If we know kofar is by an ox that gores and kills three times, then it kills the fourth time a human being, it pays kofar. 
What if an animal killed a human, not through a Karen trying to gore, but incidentally, by walking, you know, it was, you had this big, heavy animal, or I don't know, imagine it's an elephant or an ox, doesn't matter, and there's a tiny little one-day-old infant, and it steps on it, God forbid, and it crushes it. So that is a very habitual thing that's regal for it to do, So, um, but it's not intending to do an act of killing and of goring. Would there be an idea of kofar? And it depends, to some degree, what you think the kofar is about when the ox gores. When the ox gores and kills a human, is the kofar because it was did it three times, it was habitual, it was regular, there's a profound degree of negligence on the owner's part that led to the death of a human and you pay kofar. So if that's true, there's negligence about when I let my animal go walking in Rishut HaNizak, right, where I have to be careful that it doesn't walk in other people's domains, and there's a high degree of negligence there, and if there's negligence for damage, there's also negligence that it could step on a, on an infant, right? Or is the kofar because to some degree the ox goring is like an intentional act of murder done by my animal? And that wouldn't be relevant when it's something incidental like the case of Regel. So that's the question of the Gemara. Ibailu, they raise the question. What's the story? Does it pay kofar when it goes into the uh, another person's domain and stomps on a, uh, an infant and kills it? kofar. Do we say, just like Karen? Karen came in the Avitre Tlas Zimne. Once a Karen has done it two and three times, or it's now habitual, and the owners pay kofir because of their negligence of allowing a death when their animal was habitual to do things that could have brought about a death. So here to exact same degree negligence, right? It didn't need to be an act of goring. Or do we say, you know, the Karen is intending to gore. This isn't intending to do damage, and therefore it's not like a type of an act of a murder. It was negligent and incidental, but it wasn't a quasi-murder. Okay, Toshma, come in here. If a person brought his ox into his friend's property without permission, classic Chatzar Hanisa case, and gored the owner, and, and the owner died, the ox gets stoned, obviously, and the and the owner and and the owners whether the ox it's the first time it killed a human or it's habitual pays full kofar. Divrei Rebbe Tarfan. That's what Rebbe Tarfan says. So here we have Rebbe Tarfan having an ox paying kofar full, you know, in Rishut Hanizak. Now. Um, we know Rabbi Tarfan says you pay full damages in Rishon Hanizak, but Kofir isn't damages. Kofir is something else completely. So the question is, where does he learn that if an animal is a tom, you would still pay Kofir, full Kofir, but Kofir at all in Rishon Hanizak? In the Torah, when an animal gores, if it's the first three times, it pays and it kills someone, it pays nothing, no Kofir. So where does Rabbi Tarfan get this idea that it pays Kofir in Rishon Hanizak? So that's what the Gemara is going to say. Let's take a look. Where does Rebbe Tarvin get this idea? We know he gets an idea that you pay full damages, but where do you begin to get an idea that you pay kofar by a tom, even if it is in Rishut Tanizak? So, uh, so the Gemara says, um, uh, here must be the explanation. It must be Rebbe Tarvin holds like Rebbe Yosei Aglili. Rabbi Yosei says the same way a muad pays a full kofar when it kills somebody, a tom pays half kofar when it kills somebody in Richard Arbim, because that's when you pay, that's when a goring animal pays. So if you started with that assumption, then you could get 
to full kofar in Rishon Anizak by a kavachomer. Okay, that seems to be the, the necessary first step. You have to have a concept of half kofar, otherwise we never have a concept of kofar by Tom. But if you have a concept of half kofar in Rishon Arabim, you can use Rabbi Tarfin's kavachomer to get you to full kofar in Rishon Anizak. Then here would be the kavachomer. Regal pays no kofar in Rishon Arabim, pays full kofar in Rishon Anizak. Tom, that pays half kofar in Rishon Arabim, should certainly play, pay full kofar in Rishon Anizak. So you can get to Tom paying full kofar in Rishon Anizak if you start with half kofar in Rishon Arabim, okay? And you have a kavachomer. But for the kavachomer to work in the kofar world, you need to assume that Regel pays kofar in Rishon Hanizak. So the Gemara says implicit in Rebbe Tarfin's ruling is an assumption that maybe the rabbis don't disagree with that Regel pays kofar in Rishon Hanizak. So that seems like a pretty nice argument. Let's see what the Gemara says. And it is how, going to be how we're going to con- how we're going to conclude after we try to push back. Okay, Alma Ika Kofer Bregel Amar Rav Shimi Minarda says Rav Shimi from Narda. Tana Minizikin Deregel Maisila. No, the Gemara to make a Kavachomer you don't need to say that Regel pays full pays Kofen Rishon Hanizak. All you need to do is you need to know that Regel pays full damages in Rishon Hanizak. So the Kavachomer is like this: Tom pays half Kofen Rishon Hanizak. So should pay full kofer. Uh, Tom pays half kofer in Rishud Rabim. Should should kavachomer should pay full kofer in Rishud Hanizak. Why? Because a regal pays no damages in Rishud Rabim and pays full damages in Rishud Hanizak. So a Tom that pays half kofer in Rishud Rabim should certainly pay pay full kofer in Rishud Hanizak. Okay, but now it's already a little apples and oranges. Just cause. It's weightier by Nezek doesn't mean it's weightier by Kofar, which is what the Gemara is going to say. So the Gemara says like this. No, that doesn't really work. So the, I'm sorry, Velifra, uh, why not challenge that? No, 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 no. You can't say that Regel is weightier. You can't say that from damages of Regel you can infer Kofar because... Regel, you know, um, because Regel pay, because when you're in a world of damages, damages, like even by a fire, do you pay for normal damages, okay? But by a fire, you don't pay for Kofair. So things you pay for damages for, like Regel, are not relevant to Kofair. Because there's other, because we know, like you pay for damages for fire and you don't pay for Kofair. So the fact that you pay for damages for Regel in Rishut HaNizak doesn't prove what your Kofair payments will be. Shekin Yeshen Be'ech. So Gemara says, mitaman. How about something that's hidden? We'll find out later that if you have something hidden in the haystack and the fire burns it, you're not liable. Okay? So the argument would be like this. If the Regel pays full damages in Rishud HaNizak, and therefore Kofar should be full in Rishud HaNizak. So the Gemara says, well, and if you're going to challenge, and Regel pays full damages even if it breaks something that's buried. So you can't say, well, an age, you know, pays damages and doesn't pay Kofar because an age wouldn't pay damages in that case. 
So the Gemara says one minute. But if something is buried, you'd be high of if like something was hidden and fell in, like buried in like a, a load or something and fell into an into a, into a bore. So you could still say, look, you can't go from damages to cofair. You pay for there's something that you pay for for damages, like something buried in a haystack. You pay for it for regal. You pay for it for bore. But you don't go ahead and you don't pay for that for a case of um, cofair. Bore doesn't pay for cofair. So just because something is going to have you paying for damages doesn't mean you're going to be paying for it for cofair. So the Gemara says, Mikalim. Okay, how about if it's vessels? Vessels, you're exempt on a bore. So, and therefore, the argument would be like this. If a regal breaks vessels in Rishut Harabi, in, in Rishut Anizak, it's Chayv Nezek Shalem. And therefore, you should go ahead and you should also pay full Nezek for, for full Kofer, for, for Karen. Okay, and you're going to say, you're challenged that and you're going to say, well, you know, a, a um, and you can't challenge that by saying that a boar is, you know, pays for things, for damages and not for cofair because the boar wouldn't pay for Caitlin. So therefore, you, you you have something that you're going to pay for damages and therefore you should certainly be paying for cofair. And don't say, ah, there's a boar case or an age case where you pay for damages and you don't pay for cofair because we're talking about circumstances where you wouldn't pay them for boar or age either. So the Gemara says, No, but at least the Caitlin case, you would pay for fire. So the Gemara says, Okay, Buried Kalim. So you got a case of a regal that stomps on buried Kalim in Rishut Hanizak, and you're still Chayev. And if you're Chayev for that in Rishut Hanizak, you should certainly be paying full Kofir. That's the Kavachom there. And don't tell me that there are, that, oh no, there are the cases that you're Chayev in Nezek and Potter in Kofir, like Boran Eish, because in this case of Kalim Tmunim, of buried Kalim, you're exempt by Boran Eish. So there isn't a case where you're Chayev you know, there's not a counterexample. Ah, ah, I can prove to you your Chayv and Nezek and Pater and Kofer. Because we're picking a very specific case of Kalim Tmunim, we're actually Pater in 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 Bor and Eish. And still, you're Chayv in Regel, and therefore you're going to be Chayv in Kofer. Okay, so Gemara says in one minute. Mal Kalim Tmunim Sheshnan Ba'adam. Kalim Tmunim, at least if a person damaged Kalim Tmunim, you're Chayev, but you're Potter and Kofer. So the fact that you're Chayev and Kalim Tmunim by Regel does not prove that you're Chayev and Kofer, because you have an Adam that's Chayev and Kalim Tmunim, and it's going to, and an Adam is, as we said before, Potter and Kofer. In, in Kofer. So it must be that you learn it out from Kofer of Regel, that Kofer of Regel, Yerchayev, that is a good proof. So that was a little, more than a little complicated, but the basic point was the following. If you say Karen is half Kofer and Rishut HaRabim, you could say it's full Kofer and Rishut HaNizak, if you have Regel being Chayev and Kofer and Rishut HaNizak, then it's apples and apples. You're Chayev full Kofer for Regel and Rishut HaNizak, you should be Chayev full Kofer for Karen and Rishut HaNizak. Very simple. If you're not, if the case of Regel is only a case of Nizikin, you can't make the jump of apples and oranges from if you're Chayev and full Nezek, you should be Chayev and Kofer because there's all these ways in things that are Chayev and Nezek and Pater and Kofer, you know, Eish and Bor and Adam. And even though we try to make, get rid of those exceptions, they don't go away. There are cases that you're Chayev and Nezek and Pater and Kofer, so therefore it cannot be, cannot be doing the jump from Nezek to Kofer. It must be that 
regel itself is chayiv and kofer in Rishud and Isaac, and therefore we can make the kavachomer to say Karen is chayiv and kofer in Rishud and Isaac also for Rebbe Tarfon. And now the Gemara says the easiest thing it should have said from the beginning about trying to make the apples and oranges comparison. The Gemara says, um, that, uh, the, uh, um, said to Ravina, you know, you're right. You had to say that if we're going to say full Karen for Rebbe Tarfa and full, full Kofer and Rishud and Isaac, it's because there's Kofer for Regel. If there weren't Kofer for Regel, and we are trying to mix apples and oranges and say because you pay full damages in Rishud and Isaac, you should pay full co-fare. So, so then we should have challenged that basic apples and oranges directly. Forget going to Boar and Aish and Adam. What we should have said is, um, uh, 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 Lifroch, why not challenge it in saying, Malin is in the regal, she came yeshen beregel. It should have said, you can't go from Nezek of regel to co-fare because Nezek, because, because regel itself doesn't pay co-fare. You know, so therefore... Regal applies to Regal, but Kofar doesn't apply to Regal. So that should have been the biggest question. You, how can you say, oh, if you pay full damages for Regal, you should pay full Kofar for Karen. You don't even pay Kofar for Regal. So how can you jump from damages of Regal to Karen? So, Elalav, Shekin, Yeshem, Regal. That's only by Regal. Kofar isn't by Regal. Elalav, Shemaminami, Kofar, De Regal, Maisila. If you're going to make a Kavachomer, it must be from Kofar of Regal. You pay full Kofar of Regal, you should pay full Kofar of 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 Karen. Alma, Ika, Kofar, Regal. You see that there is Kofar by Regal. Shemamina, you do see that. And presumably, that's even according to the Rabbanon who disagree with Rabbi Tarfon. Rabbi Tarfon just says that, um, that, that they would agree that there's Kofar by Regal. Rabbi Tarfon would just say, A, I hold this half Kofar in Rishul Harabim, which the Rabbanon could disagree with or do disagree with, like Rabbi Yosei Aglili. And then, but basing on Rabbi Yosei Aglili, I'll say full Kofar in Rishut Hanizak. Okay, so that is the end of um, Rabbi Tarfon and Dayo. And now we begin the next Mishnah. Um, so this is the fifth of the five things that are muad. Number four was the, uh, you know, Rebbe Tarfon's Karen in Rishud Anizak. And number five is Adam. Adam is muad la'olam. A person is always muad. A person always pays full damages. Bain shogig, bain mazid, whether intentional or unintentional, bain er, bain yashen, whether he is awake or asleep. Now, actually, by asleep, you know, the Yushami says that that's only if he goes to sleep and their vessels are near him. If somebody puts a vessel near him after he already went to sleep, then he's exempt. Now, why is he exempt? Is it true that a person is always liable, 100% absolute, you know, liability? Um, maybe. Um, and then why would you be exempt if somebody put a vessel near you when you were asleep? Well, that would be because of a counterbalancing pshiat hanizak, contributory negligence. It's not that you were not negligent. You as the human don't need to be negligent at all. You could be completely against, you know, no fault, no blame, but you broke it, you pay for it. But if I put the vessel near you, then I have more active negligence and therefore it's my responsibility. You know, if it's my vessel or somebody else's vessel, whatever, I am the one that, that, that takes that responsibility away from you. But if, let's say, you went to sleep and the wind blew a vessel near you and it was nobody's fault and you rolled over and broke it, you would be liable. That's one explanation. Tozfas, that's the Ramban's approach. Toza says, means really just for... Um, 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 you know, not you don't need a lot of negligence, but you still do need a certain degree. And when you go to sleep near a vessel, there's a certain degree of negligence. Not the simple sense of the Mishnah. 
Okay. Be'ner ben Yashim, whether awake or asleep, simas ain't chaver v'shiber sakelim. If while you were asleep you blinded somebody, God forbid, or you broke a vessel, mishalim nezek shalim, you pay full damages because adam muad la'olam. So now the Gemara says like this: Kitani simas ain't chaver v'dumid v'shiber sakelim. We taught this idea of um, blinding somebody similar to breaking a vessel. The same way by a vessel, since it's just an object, you know, it's all you have is just damages. You don't have doctor's bill and pain, et cetera, et cetera. So, the same is true when you injure somebody, okay? The fact that and that's absolute liability, even if you're not negligent, that's only about the payment of the basic damages, like you would do if you broke an object. The other payments that are unique to injuring a person, Tsar, Ripoy, Shevet, and Boshet, that you need a degree of negligence. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Nezik in Arbedvarm lo, the Lab Machaif Arbedvarm el o mezid o karav lamezid, do me the You have to be either intentional or close to being intentional, like the Pasuk when two people fight and accidentally one person goes in and grabs, you know, the you know the privates of the other person, and that's where we learn out Boshet and so on. So that's where there's a lot of intentionality, even though that particular act of of, of grabbing the privates, you know, um, you know, or whatever might not have been um, 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 exactly intentional or so on. So, but it's close to being intentional. Karov lamezid. So that is going to be very important. On one extreme, Adamud Ola might be even absolute liability, no blame at all, but you still have to pay. Nobody's blaming you, but you still are liable. Okay, but that's for the damages. And for the Arbitzvarim, is it negligence enough? It doesn't sound like that. It sounds like you need real intentionality, or Rashi says, Karavla may be close to being intentional. We'll see more about that. Let's take a look now, top of Chavav Amudbet. Minani Mili, where does this come from? said, and it was also taught from Chizkiah's yeshiva. Amakra, the pasuk says, "Petzatachas patza, a wound for a wound." Okay, That extra pasuk, there's a lot of things. We learn a lot of things from that. So one of the things that we learn from Petzatachas patza, which is where we learn basic payment for damages for injuring a person, is to tell you under all circumstances, even if you're blameless, shogi kamezi. Even if it's completely against your will, it's like that you did it willfully. So the Messiah says, one minute. Don't we need that to tell you another halacha? To tell you a halacha that, ev- if, if that even when you're paying damages, you also have to pay for the pain that accompanies it. Meaning you can pay tsar if there was no nezek, like you burn somebody, the example is on the fingernail, you know, and it caused enormous pain, but there was no damage of like, you know, in terms of like, the, the, the person wasn't worth any less. So, and that's tsar shaloba makam nezek. And this is tsar bimakam nezek. You actually, God forbid, I don't know, you knocked out his eye, you broke his arm. So there was damages you have to pay for and you have to pay for the pain. And that idea that it comes even accompanying the payment of Nezek, we learn from Tetzah Tachas Patsa. So the says, no. In gain lichtov kra petza bi petza. It could have said a, a wound for a wound. My Tachas in the stead of Patsa Shmami Natark, you learn both out. Okay, interestingly, even though both are learned out from the Pasuk, the idea that you have strict liability is only going to be for the Nezek, not for the Tsar. The Tsar still has to be Mezid or Karvla Mezid, and Toso says that that's because we have a general, you know, um, um, inclination to say that that because it's such a, you know, such an, a, a high degree of obligation, strict liability, we're going to limit it only to the one case that it clearly applies to, which is the Nezek. All right. Um, so now the Gemara says like this. 
if you take a look at Tosus Shmamina Tarti in the middle, he says, that we want to exempt you if you're not to, to blame, and therefore we'll own this idea of high liability and strict liability will limit only to the case we have to apply it to, which is for the Nezik itself, not for the Arba Dvarim. Um, okay, I'm a Rabbah. Now we're going to have a series of teachings of Rabbah going to be very interesting. Says Rabbah. Haisa Evan Munachas Lobacheko, Velo Hikirba, the Ahmed Venafla. A guy was on a roof and there was a stone on his chest and he never knew about it. While he was sleeping, somebody put a stone on his chest. And he woke up and he stood up and he stood up and the stone fell off of his chest and fell down and broke something. If it went ahead and it broke something on the ground, you're Chayev. That seems the perfect example of like strict liability. He is completely blameless and still he's Chayev. What's also actually interesting is he didn't even do it with his body, right? He did it with his koach. And you might say that the koach that was completely unaware, sort of like Chatzinez Ktsroros, right? Completely unawares that this is happening as a result of me. Maybe it's not even considered to be me doing it. So that's another Kiddush, that even through his koach, this is Adam doing it, and even an unawares koach, and he's strictly liable and he pays. In terms of Nezek, Tsar, Ripo, Shevis, Boshet, as we said, obviously you're exempt. Well, Inyan Shabbos, if went ahead and the stone went, I don't know, from Rishus Harabin to Rishus Yachin to Rishus Harabin, let's say, you're exempt. It's not an intentional act. By Shabbos, it has to be Melechus Machshevis, like the Mishkan. It has to be intentional. This is completely not intentional. It's pretty obvious. We'll get to cases which are less obvious. Linyan Golas, if it killed somebody, Pater, you're also exempt. Why? Because it, see, it says, there has to be a shkaga, some type of negligence, right? Not something that's completely an onus, okay? Something that you at least you had some awareness of. Um, let's say it knocked out the tooth of a slave, would the slave go free? That's a debate of Rabbi Gamliel and the rabbis. Tanya, we turn to Brisa. That the slave said to the master, "Would you like, uh, you know, g- give me some uh, eye treatment, eye salve?" And in the process of doing it, the master accidentally blinded the slave. Or you know, would you end up, you know, made a, a filling in my tooth? Okay, Vipilan accidentally caused the tooth to come out. So he was actually trying to help the slave, but in the end, the eye came out and the tooth came out. Tanakhama says, you laugh at the master and you go free. It doesn't matter, according to them, even if it was completely not intentional, I mean, there was a degree of intention to be doing something to the eye, but anyway, seems like completely not intentional. The master caused the eye to go out or the, or, or, or the tooth to go out. The slave is free. You don't need any intention. No, you destroyed it, says the Pasuk. Actually, you have to try to actually be knocking it out. All right, so he degrees, requires a high degree of intention. So for the Rabbana, the slave would go free, and for Shikamliel, obviously not. Okay, he, now that's case one. Case number two. You knew the stone was on your chest and you forgot about it, and then you stood up and all these things happened again. Okay? The Ahmad Vinafla, and you stood up and it fell. Lini Nizikin Chayv. Obviously, you're Chayv by Nizikin. You were Chayv even when you were unawares. Lini Arbedvarim Pater. You're still Pater for Arbedvarim, even though there was a degree of negligence. It's not what Rashi calls Mezid or Korav Lamezid. Okay? There was some degree of negligence. Lini Golas Chayv. If you went and killed somebody, you're Chayv. You knew about it. There was awareness. There was negligence. Okay, Bishkaga means that there had to be an initial awareness that you were dealing with something dangerous or whatever, you know, and there was an initial awareness, okay, and now you were negligent and you're Chayev. 
he had an awareness. By Shabbos, you're not high for negligence. To Shabbos to be a malacha, it has to be malachas machshevis. You have to intentionally carry something, and you did not now transport this from or intentionally from Rishud Yachid to Rishud Harabim. You didn't intentionally want to do this act. Okay, negligence, yes; intention, no. Um, and for the slave, again, the debate of from Gamaliel and the rabbis, it was negligent, it wasn't intentional. For the rabbis, even if it's completely not negligent, he goes free, you knocked out his eye, and for Bishim Gamaliel, only until it's intentional. Now, let's say you took had this stone and you tried to throw it two amot, and you threw it four amot. And four amot, by the way, for Shabbos is carrying four amot in Rishut Harabim. Okay, but let's say also there was a man standing four amot away, and you were trying to st- throw it only two amot, but it went further and it hit the man four amot. So again, linyan nizik and chayv. For nizik and your chayv, your chayv, even if you're an anus. Linyan arbedvar and pater. Arbedvar your pater, again, maybe there was a degree of negligence. If I threw a two, it might have gone four. But but that's not enough to make you maze it or careful maze it. It's no different than forgetting the stone was on your chest. You're exempt. Well, inyan Shabbos, when it comes to Shabbos, melech zmach sheves Again, you need melech zmach sheves. And therefore, you were not trying to do an act of carrying. Moving something to Amod in Rishut Rabim is not considered an act of carrying. It wound up going for Amod, which is considered an act of carrying, but you were trying to do something that was actually like taking a step. It wasn't considered carrying. You didn't take it out of your domain, out of your four Amod. So since your intent was not to do a Malacha, even though Malacha was done, you did not do a Malacha. Okay, in Gallus, when it comes to Gallus, Asher lo tzada that you did not lie in wait, says the Torah. To exclude the case of two and four. Now Rashi has two readings of this. One reading of Rashi is Asher lo being lying in wait is when you're doing it intentionally and you get and you and, and you get executed. So according to this, Rashi is saying is you're not the case of doing it intentionally. You only try to do four. Like let's say you know you shot an arrow and you thought it was going to hit the ground before it hit the guy and it went so far and it hit the guy. So even though you were playing with a loaded weapon. You weren't actually trying to kill him, so you're not high of Misa, but because you went ahead and you did kill him, you are high of Ingolus. So this is a little bit of a not natural read of the Gemara. The Gemara had been talking not about Chayev Misa, but Chayev Golos. But this way of reading it, it's actually saying you're Chayev Golos. You were negligent with this person's death. The other way of reading it, which more fits the language of the Gemara, is that you're exempt from Golos because you're too negligent. Okay, Meaning that if you're shooting a loaded weapon, you're throwing a stone, you're shooting an arrow, whatever, even though you're not trying to hit the person, that is too close to the idea of, a share lo- of, of being lying in wait that you are actually too much of an act that's close to murder, and it's not just negligent when you're being you know, innocent and chopping wood and so on. So your negligence, or your maybe it's better to say your intentionality is too great, and therefore actually you are exempt for gullers, okay? Now when it comes to the slave, we're back to where we were. Even it's a still the debate of Rabbanan. Even though you're throwing something too, and the guy is only four amos away, and it's a reasonable likelihood, or who knows what possible it might go and hit him, you are not intending to knock out his tooth. So for Rabbanan, the Evid does not go free. For the Rabbanan, the Evid still goes free. Um, now, 
Nizok Arba Vizark Shmona. Let's say you tried to throw it four Amot and it went eight. Now, for everything else, it's identical. The only thing that's different because, you know, who cares? If we're talking about hurting a guy, hitting a guy, you tried to throw it away that it was not going to get to him, but he was right in front of you and it went further and hit him. Same degree of negligence, it's, you know, etc. The difference will be for Shabbos because throwing something four Amot for Shabbos is already a Malacha. So you were trying to do a Malacha, but the Malacha got done in a slightly different way and it went further and it went eight Amos. Okay, Le'inyan Nezik and Chayef. So you're Chayef for Nezik because that's absolute liability. Le'inyan Arba Dvarim Patr. You're Patr for Arba Dvarim because even, even this, which is a surprise, is not considered Mezid or Karv Lemezid. Even though the guy's standing right there, since you were trying to make it land before it hit the guy, that's not considered Karv Lemezid, which is pretty surprising. Okay, Le'inyan Arba Dvarim Patr. Same as with the two and the four case. Le'inyan Shabbos. Shabbos is the one thing that's different. Ba'omer komokom shetirza tanuach in ilolo. If you say... I'm throwing it out of four, but I really don't care where it lands, then you're chayev. Okay, but if you really say, no, I dafka wanted to land at four amos, then even then you are putter, even though you intended to do a malacha, the malacha was done in a different way than you wanted. But if you're okay wherever it lands, that would be included in malachas machsheves. Linian Golas, Ashelotzada, probably these these work Arbav Zarkimona. For Golas, we'll read it the second way of Rashi. This is a degree of intentionality because you were throwing something in his direction. So therefore you're exempt from Golas because it's not a total accident and there's too much intentionality here. Linian Evid, Evid, again, it's debate of Rabshimulio and the rabbis. Okay, so that was really interesting, putting all those different types of things together and allowing us to explore that even you know two and four and four and eight is not enough negligence intentionality to be high for Arba Dvarim. The Amar Rabba, one last case, Rabba also says. You threw a vessel off, we saw this earlier, off the top of a roof, and somebody came and it broke it with a stick before it hit the ground. Pata, you're exempt. Okay? My time, why? Because you broke something that was already broken. When the guy threw it off the roof, okay, it was going in its way and it, gravity and it would have been destroyed, so it was considered worthless, it was considered broken. So the guy who broke it with a stick did not do anything, you know, was not like, you know, did not break a vessel that was worth anything. And the guy who threw it off the roof, you know, is an interesting question. Sounds like he's also putter because it, he never broke it. So that would be a very unfortunate uh, outcome for the owner of the vessel, but that's the irony here. Okay. Uh, if you threw a vessel off of a roof and underneath it were pillows, so when you threw it off, you weren't exactly, you weren't going to do anything, you know, it wasn't going to break, so you weren't liable for throwing it off. Um, and somebody came and removed the pillows. Oh, no, you yourself came and removed the pillows. Potter, you're exempt. My timer, what's the reason? When you threw it off the roof, your arrows were, dull, were were already ended, meaning that was not an act of damaging because it, you were not doing an, an act that was not going to break it. It was going to hit the pillows. You can't be liable for throwing it off the roof. And for removing the pillows, you're not liable because that's grama. You didn't do an act of damage. You just removed pillows. And grama benizik and putter. We'll see a later on about garmi and other things. But anyway, that's going to be exempt. And even if you did both parts, your putter for throwing and your putter for pulling it out. Now, it's, and so, so the sum total is your putter. It does sound 
sound, since he didn't give the case of you yourself with the stick in the second case, it does sound like if you threw it off the roof and then broke it with a stick, you'd be chayev, okay? Because you, you're throwing off the roof was of you, and it broke at the end, and it wasn't somebody else who broke it. All right, now the Gemara continues and says the following, Rabba zarak tinok, and this is the case that we'll end with. Um... Um, by the way, I should say, if you look at Rashi, by the case of throwing it off the roof and somebody breaking it with a stick, Rashi says, Pater the one who broke it with a stick is Pater. It sounds from Rashi that the guy who threw it off the roof is Chayev, since when, um, even if somebody else broke it with a stick, since when I threw it off the roof, it was going to break, and that was considered, you know, if you remember the Gemara before also, whether Basar Tvarmana, you know, Mekara Tvarmana, that was, the, if it miraculously got saved, that would be different. But since when I threw it off the roof, it was going to break and it broke, even if it broke through other causes, I would still be high of, that's at least what Rashi sounds like in the first case of Rava. Okay, last case of Rava, of Rava rather, last case of Rava that we'll do for today. Um, if person threw a baby, God forbid, an infant off of a roof, and somebody came and, you know, speared it with a sword, it's horrific, sounds like, you know, what the Nazis did, and um, before the baby hit the ground, so who is Chayev, is, can you prosecute either party for Ritzicha? So Plukta Rebuta Bimbasev Rabbana, the Beta Rebuta Bimbasev, the Rabbi, the Tanya Mutana Brisa, he calls Serbani Adam Basar Makos, Bim Vasachas Bim Zachazah, Kuam Turin. Ten people hit somebody with ten sticks, and um, and the person died. Whether they did it sequentially or at the same time, they're exempt. We had this uh, earlier in the Gemara. It's a complicated case. Did each one have the ability to kill him? Was it only being able to be killed, you know, through the cumulative effect of all of them? Um, when one after the other, the last one is because he was the one that actually finalized, you know, finished it off. So it sounds like, to compare it to this case of Rabbah, that each one of these could be have done it themselves. So maybe it's easier to think about it with shooting with a gun rather than with, you know, with, uh, you know, with a stick. Ten people shoot somebody at the exact same time. So since any one of them could have committed murder, you can't be machai of any of them. You know, that's one way of saying it. And therefore, whereas, whereas if it's sequential, you know, 10 people shot sequentially, but the person hadn't died yet at all until the end. So then, you know, also the rabbis would say, well, any one of them could have done it and he didn't die. And at the end he died and all of them did it equally. Who are you going to be machayev? Whereas Rabbi Yudah ben Becerra would say, no, the last guy who did it, you know, he was, he, we, we put it on him, you know, even if the other ones were fatal, it was the last one who did it. So if you, that at least works and maps on to Rabba's case. One guy threw it off, it would have been fatal. The other guy did the final fatal thing. Do you say two people murdered the baby? Do you say it's only the last one? Okay, pretty horrific to contemplate. Anyway, that is where we will end for today.